Hello and welcome to another episode of Powerful Conversations. I am your host, Noed, and in today's episode, let's talk about the Lord's mercy on our enemies. Stay tuned. So the last two episodes, we have been discussing the story of Jonah in episode 10. We talked about his disobedience and him getting into the boat or a boat to go the opposite direction of where God has sent him to go and just blatant disobedience. And as we discussed, he he was purposely trying to run away from God. Um, And then in episode 11, we go over the prayer that this man had from inside the belly of the fish. If you haven't heard episode 10 or 11, I highly recommend that you do so before you hear this one. Now, this one is going to be episode 12, which is you all heard in the beginning. It's titled Lord's Mercy on Our Enemies. This is going to be the culmination of me discussing the book of Jonah essentially going over chapter three and four. And if you're anything like me, you like to go over stories in sequential order. So not a requirement for you to get anything out of this, you know, particular episode, but I would highly recommend it. All right. In regards to episode 12 in chapter three, we start to see where Jonah finally gets to Nineveh. He, this is the place where God originally wanted to send him. He didn't want to just blatant disregard for God's orders. And guess what? When God says something, it's going to get done, period. It wasn't, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't ask you. I said, I told you to do this. It wasn't an opinion. But in chapter three, and let's read this briefly. It says that then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time and said, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took days to see it all. On the way, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believe God's message and from the greatest to the least. They declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard that Jonah was saying what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent his decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, He changed his mind, and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So very impactful, and it is a quick and easy read, but when you think about it, 
I mean, they're describing a city that takes days to see it all. So it's a, it's a huge city. And just to provide some context, um, this city essentially were the Assyrians who, these were folks who were, were really, I don't know, were very violent. They're very violent folks who were, they're the enemies of the people of Israel. Like they, they would torture them. Women will be raped, that sort of thing. Like these were not the good guys. And God sent Jonah to deliver this message of, hey, in 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to be destroyed. But something happens upon the deliverance of this message that somehow get, got to the heart of the people. And the people repented. And the people took a moment to and made a decision that, hey, you know what? We are all going to repent and we're going to put on this burlap, which if you're not familiar with what burlap is, it is a very, um, it's a very rough uh, fabric, almost like a sack of potatoes. And if you live in the United States, you can easily go to like a, a decoration store, like, like a Michael's or just any fabric store and you, you'll get a touch of it. People usually will put it in decor, that sort of thing. Um, it's a very rough fabric to put on. So they had to put that on and no eating or drinking for days. And not just that, but the animals had to be on this plan too. And it just shows that God truly is moved by true repentance. And if in today's day you feel like you have done some horrible things, and you probably have, yet if you are being convicted and know in your heart that, you know what, what I have done is wrong and you genuinely repent, Turn your ways to God. Tell God how sorry you are. Bow before him. And I'm telling you, you with true repentance, a, a heart that is true, is truly contrite, that is truly sad and repented, God will heal you. He will uplift you. He will save you. There's nothing too bad that you have done for God to, to save you. So, you're listening to this and you haven't accepted Jesus, if you feel like, you know why, there's no hope for me, just know that that's a lie. There is hope for you. So I, I would pause this and take a time and say, God, I, I'm sorry. I repent for what I have done. And hey, even if you're a Christian and feel like there are things that you have done and you're a saved person, because sometimes God has forgiven us, but we haven't forgiven ourselves. We still see ourselves dirty and filthy. Well, we've already been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And if that's the case, it is also time to start forgiving ourselves because Jesus has prayed through it and worked through it. But if you've been, you know, if you've been set free, you're free indeed. So it is time to continue to grow and move on and, and declare yourself a child of God. Amen. Now, in analyzing the story, because if you, as I mentioned, we discussed this in chapter 10, uh, not chapter 10, episode 10, my apologies. So in episode 10, Jonah had told the people on the boat that he was running away from God. 
And I personally wondered, well, why is he running away? Why is he doing this on purpose? And it's not like we can actually run away from God. There is no running away. There's nowhere possible. It's impossible. There's nowhere, no crevice in this world that we can hide, that God can't find us. We can't go in pure darkness because he will find us. Like God is everywhere. He will find us. So, but in learning about these people and the things that they have done to the people of Israel, it is understandable. And I personally think, right, because it says here that in 40 days, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And I can help but wonder, and in doing some research, some scholars seem to think the same, that maybe Jonah was trying to let the clock run out. Kind of like God saying, hey, in 40 days and 40 nights, I'm going to destroy Nineveh. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to hop on this boat and I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'll be back in 40 days and 40 nights. Essentially trying to run out the clock of God. When Jonah didn't realize in the moment when he made that decision to disobey was that the 40 days and the 40 nights weren't going to start until that message got delivered. That's when the clock really was going to start. And sometimes we think that we can outsmart God's timing. That if we can pull it up, put things off, right? We can avoid certain judgment or we can avoid having tough conversations that we can avoid confronting our present or confronting our past. But the thing is that if God said it, it's going to get done. And God, we cannot mess with God's timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5 says, Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all the things. And as we can see, let's not even try it because Jonah tried it. <laughs> the dude literally tried to outsmart the Lord and it didn't pan out. God, God found him where he was at in the boat and handled business and redirected him towards the path he needed to be on in the first place. But in chapter four of Jonah, it says that this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me loud, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And we'll stop here in verse four. And I called it. <laughs> like this man, as we just said, he listened. It is, first of all, it's wonderful to know that Jonah knew, knew God. He knew him. He's like, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. 
And I can't help but wonder, how did Jonah get to know this about God? What are the areas in his life that he experienced this or had he witnessed this compassionate and merciful love of God? And he knew it. He knew that God, God's reach could be so wide that he could have mercy upon the enemies of his own people. And he said, this is why I ran away from Tarshish. I knew he's like, I knew it. I knew you would do this. I called it. I called it. And he complained to the Lord about it. Even though I'm like, when I read verse, um, the beginning of, or part of the verse to where it says, didn't I say, I'm like, excuse me. Like you are talking to God. Like, how are you going to, I don't know. It's just the way he approached the Lord. I'm just like, hold up. Who do you think you're talking to? This is our Lord who you can't talk to him like that. But I just think that on the other hand, he was a bit dramatic where he said, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Which also in episode 10, I talk about how Jonah was literally wanting to just, just kill me. Like, just, just let me die. Um, when he asked the the people on the ship to just, hey, just throw me overboard. Like, what do you think was going to happen? I mean, Jonah didn't know that God had arranged for a fish to swallow him whole. He didn't know that. So when he asked the people, just throw me in the boat. I think he knew he was going to die. Like he could potentially die. That's what I mean. He could potentially die. And he was prepared to do so by... This lets me know how much he actually despised these people and how much he really didn't want these people to be forgiven. How much he really wanted the fire and fury of God to come upon these people. Now, I wonder if it hit home for him. Did he have a personal encounter with these folks? Did these folks personally hurt one of his loved ones? We'll never know. But it just shows how much he wanted devastation and judgment to come upon them. And it's true for many of us today, where we've had people who have tremendously hurt us. And in church, we talk a lot about forgiveness and God commands us to forgive our enemies, that we have to forgive one another. And forgiveness is something that can be a little bit tricky in the sense that sometimes we feel like, okay, God, I, I've forgiven this person, but why does this still hurt? And one of the things in my journey of forgiveness, and I had one person in my life that I had to really go through a journey of forgiveness to be able to say, I have forgiven this person. And in that journey, one of the things that I have learned is that forgiveness doesn't mean that you no longer hurt. It simply means that you are no longer seeking revenge. You are no longer waiting for something bad to happen to that person as a payment for what they have done to you. Because that's a huge difference. Vengeance is God's. God is the one that will make justice. He is a just God. 
And in this case, Jonah was clearly filled with unforgiveness because what he was looking for is for these people to be hurt, for the judgment to come upon them. He didn't want them to be forgiven. So there was a lot of unforgiveness in his heart. Now, hurt's a different thing. And I'm saying this from experience. I was talking to a good friend of mine a while back, and we were having the discussion of forgiving people. And what do we do when the hurt is still there? Well, we have said, okay, Lord, I'm not seeking revenge. I'm not wishing them bad things. Like, I'm not out here like, oh, I wish this X, Y, and Z happened to you. But I'm still hurting. What do I do with the hurt? And it was kind of like the the impen- like the question that was left up in the air in said conversation. But a few days later, I still personally had that hurt that I can only describe it as a physical ball of knots laying over my heart. It felt almost like a physical object that it just... It just throbbed, like it, it throbbed day and night. Now, I remember being in my in my car, I was running around some errands in town, and I probably looked like a crazy person because I said, "God, this knot in my heart, it is throbbing to the point that I can't deal with it anymore. Please take it." You know what? Here it is, and I remember putting my hand over my chest almost like symbolizing me grabbing that knot and just took it out and raised my hand and said, here you go, God, and handed it to him. And ever since that day, in surrendering that pain and surrendering that hurt, literally surrendering it to God, I've been set free. I no longer hurt. It doesn't mean that I may not get emotional as I talk about if I talk about the hurt that I had experienced, because there is a big testimony in it um, in the healing journey that God has taken me through and in the mercies that God has had upon my life and in the care that God has had for me um, throughout said journey. But it's not something that it's hurting day and night. It's not something that it's it's weighing heavy on me. And just know that it is possible if you're confused as to, well, have I forgiven or not? Just know that with forgiveness, you no longer seek harm. You no longer, you're no longer seeking vengeance. You are no longer seeking for the wrong to be righted, if that's even a word, for what's wrong to be made right, for you to be indemnified. It's when you let that aspect go and say, you know what? I'm never going to get that. I'm sorry. They're never going to acknowledge what they have done to me. Um, But you know what? That's fine. I'm going to move on in life without it. I'm no longer wishing you a broken leg. (laughs) You know, okay, you have forgiven. But just know that if you still have um, left, you're still in pain. You need to surrender that pain to God. Literally just take the time and say, God, here is my pain. The literal surrender of pain to God. But in this case, Jonah, right? um, 
he wanted to see these people destroyed. I mean, considering all the things they had done, um, the man has a point. I, I get it. I get, I get where he's coming from. I totally get it. But who are we to decide who gets Scott's forgiveness? Who are we to decide who gets cleansed by the blood of Jesus? Right? Who God restores. And God may be restoring your enemies. We don't know what's actually happening if there's a true repentance in their hearts. If there's a true, God, I'm turning my ways. I'm turning my life around for you. We don't know that. And later in this chapter, in chapter 4, we see that it says that Jonah went out to the east side of the city and he made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So even though we see that they have repented, like you have seen they have repented, he's still like, um, let's, let's wait and see what's really going to happen to the city. But God has a way of teaching that it's, I'm like, you are so interesting. Um, but it says that the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's heads, over Jonah's head, um, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next day, morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. I mean, like this guy... In this book, he has wished to die at least three times. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't know what it's like and call him dramatic, but kind of sounds a little dramatic sometimes. Um, he again says, death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And Jonah, yes, Jonah retorted, Eve even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about a plant, though you did absolutely not, you know, although you did nothing to put it there. So he did absolutely nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. He just said, I, I'd be upset enough to die over a plant that came quickly and died quickly. And he did nothing to put it there. And then in the last verse, God is telling him, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Think about that. 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for a great city? And sometimes, you know, as we were having this chat with this, you know, this discussion of forgiveness, I think the same thing could happen with with cities, countries, churches. I mean, any 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 place God is the creator of all things. Um, and sometimes like Jonah, we we get upset about things that we didn't put them there. We didn't, you know, we'll, we'll get upset about. I don't know lost of certain positions, whether it's at work or at church, we'll get upset about different things that came and went quickly that we put no effort to put them there, but we're just upset now that they're gone. 
And sometimes even to the point of Jonah's drama here of I'm upset even to the point I'd be willing to die, like even the, to the point of death. But God is saying, essentially that, hey, you know, there's a lot of people in spiritual darkness. Not to mention animals. Why shouldn't God feel sorry for people? And have mercy upon them. Who are we to, to, to determine that? It's something really deep to consider. So in today's episode, as I culminated, as I we're wrapping things up here, um, I highly encourage you to analyze what areas in your life you perhaps have unforgiveness where you feel like, no, we need to see, I need to see this X, Y, and Z happen. And it maybe it's not anything in your personal life. Maybe you're like, I wish to see X, Y, and Z people from said country destroyed. Sometimes we, we, we think like that. Some people do. Where we're wishing ill over certain nationalities, countries, certain places, sometimes certain churches. Like, oh, I wish their church were to close down. I hope they lose all the members because of how much they hurt me. It's It happens. But we need to, first of all, forgive, as in let's stop looking for to be indemnified in any way, to to be, to get a repayment for our hurt. And know that if the God is the only one who can truly, that can truly examine the heart of mankind. And when there's true repentance, God will forgive and restore. And sometimes these folks that have heard us, like we just read here, they're just in spiritual darkness. But when God reveals himself to these folks and they truly repent and God truly restores them and he has mercy upon them and works through them, just, just let it be. God knows exactly what he's doing. He will restore you and your life. God knows you're hurt. You got to surrender it though. Don't stop clenching to it. Just, just let it go. With that said, I always talk about in this podcast how we have three important conversations. The conversations that we have with God. So bring it to him. The conversations we have with ourselves. So it's time to talk to ourselves and let ourselves know it's time to move on. And it is okay. It is okay to let that hurt go and talk with others. Encourage others that maybe are dealing with unforgiveness in your life because sometimes we good like we, you know, hey, we don't have any unforgiveness in our hearts, but we know a lot of people that are struggling with forgiveness and forgiveness is a topic that I would say every single human being at some point has had to to deal with forgiveness and cross that that path. Um, So maybe it's not you. Maybe you need to help somebody out. So it's important to have that conversation with others as well and with our children, also teaching them concepts of forgiveness and what God has to say about it in his word. Okay. But with that say, remember that with conversations, we can build or destroy one conversation. We can build or destroy worlds one conversation at a time. 
So let's make them count. Till next time.